Hey, this is Karen, Coach's Corner Chats, and joining me is Katie Smith. Katie, where are you at, and what are you up to? I am in the Memphis area. I coach a few different teams here, so I coach two club teams with Lobos Rush. I coach 2010 boys and 09 girls. I coach at Northwest Mississippi Community College. I'm an assistant coach at Collierville High School, and then I'm the head coach at Collierville Middle School for the boys team. So a little bit of everything. And right now, we are in the middle of middle school boys season, and then my two club teams are in the middle of state league. So just hearing that, that's a ton of stuff going on. First thing, have you always been someone who's just always had a lot going on, like Katie's always on the go? Yeah, I think so. Um, my family moved around a lot growing up. I played a lot of sports all the time. I was always on more than one team. And so I'm kind of used to always having something to do. For me, you know, I have really high goals in soccer and what I want to do. And so I'm just trying to kind of take as many opportunities as I can now to get myself the experience that I need to continue to get to the next level. I do hope that at some point in the near future, I'm able to just do maybe one or two teams and that can be it. But for now, I'm just doing what I need to do to be able to get to that point. So what's the experience coaching a girls team and a boys team in the club setting? Cause I'm sure it's a different experience <laughs> for those two teams. Yeah, it's very different. It's very different in the kids personalities, but it's also very different in parents. So I've coached in club high school girls and middle school girls, and then I've coached middle school boys. And so they're right around the same age. And typically girl parents are way more involved than boy parents. You know, the boy parents kind of let them do their thing. And the girls, you know, girls go home and they get upset and they cry and they're a bit more emotional typically at that age. So we see or I see a lot more parent involvement. And then in terms of the kids, I mean, the boys are just goofy. Like middle school boys are probably the most fun group to work with, but also the most frustrating because, you know, half the time they don't take anything seriously, but they magically think they're going to win every single game. Right. So it's like that bit of like cockiness, but then they're also tr like not taking anything seriously. And it's very funny. And then the girls, you know, they care about their team and each other and they want to work hard and do everything right. And so it's a very big difference, but it's very funny to be able to see both ends of it. And then the kids that I coach, for the most part, they all go to school together too. So, you know, the boys come to practice and they're talking about the girls and then the girls come, and they're talking about the boys. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like I know everything that's going on. So that's also really fun. But uh, but yeah, it's a big difference. But they're they they both have their pros and cons, I think. As you have coaching at different levels, like you talked about being at one of the local colleges and what have you, what do you see are the differences as you kind of move up in terms of the style of coaching, maybe the how the sessions are run, how the players um, you know, behave during sessions, et cetera. Yeah, I think, you know, the older you get, the more you tend to take things seriously. You know, there's a big gap between where the middle schoolers are at and then to high school and then from high school to college. I mean, it's just that, I think, competitive nature and that like drive to go above and beyond and get better and the self-determination versus like 
I'm just playing this because my parents want me to, you know, I'm 12 years old, like I'm going to go home and play Fortnite until two in the morning, right? So you kind of see that difference of the level of seriousness. And then in terms of the style of coaching, for me, I think everything is very similar. My coaching philosophy is very similar in, in all aspects. I think really the only thing that changes is as we go to higher levels, we can break things down more because they understand the game better. Um, but, you know, there are some middle school boys that understand the game more than some of my high school girls. So it really just depends on that child, where they're at, if they're watching the game at home, if they're understanding. And I think being able to recognize that and break it down for the kids who you can break it down for is important because you don't want to hold their learning back because the group can't comprehend a coaching point or whatever. Um, but yeah, so just being able to break things down a bit more, I think is the biggest difference. But, um, but yeah, it really just depends on the kid. The other thing you talked about is moving around a lot as a kid, playing all kinds of sports. Like, where did you start this whole soccer journey? When did you start, like, uh, trying it out and then falling in love with it? Yeah, so I started playing soccer when I was five years old. My family's not a soccer family. Neither of my parents ever played. And in the parts of the world they grew up in, soccer just was not a thing. They didn't play. They didn't watch it. They didn't care about it. And so when I was five, we moved to Phoenix, Arizona. And in Phoenix, soccer is a big deal. Pretty much everybody plays. And so, you know, my parents were like, oh, we might as well just like throw her in it and let her try it. And I loved it. Like soccer and basketball were my two main sports. Um, I absolutely fell in love with it. I started playing and then I did not start playing club actually until I was in eighth grade. So I was kind of behind on the club scene of things at that point. And then of course now it's even worse because now kids are starting when they're like three. Uh, but at the time I was a little bit behind and I started a little bit later and I played AAU and club uh, soccer as well. And then kind of moved through that. And then when I graduated college, I was playing at my local community college. And through that, I got a job coaching, I guess, large group sessions at a club. And that was the first time that I ever was like, yeah, like I want to coach. Like that's what I want to do. And so ever since then, I've been coaching. I've been in the game. I've been um, just kind of working my way, I guess, up the ladder, if you will, and uh, trying to give myself opportunities to keep growing because, um, yeah, I mean, I, I've kind of known from like the very first time I coached, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like this is so, so fun. So, um, yeah. <laughs> When you look back at like the playing days and going through and even at the community college, what were some of the things that those coaches did that kind of resonated with you and you kind of incorporate now? Yeah. So I think, unfortunately, in my soccer journey, it was a lot more of what not to do than what mm -hmm. to do. I think I had a lot of coaches that cared more about winning than about us as people. And that's something for me that's really big. And I think the further we move along in society and where we're at now, kids respect you less and less just because you're in charge, right? Like kids nowadays, they don't respect you unless you show them respect first and you earn it and you build that relationship. And I don't, you know, I don't have an opinion one way or the other, really. It's just personality. I was like that when I was a kid. That's how I grew up. So I understand it. But I think that, you know, in the area of the world I live in, which right now I live in the South, that's really 
a difficult mindset for some coaches to understand. And so I think, you know, a lot of my coaches, especially as I got older and I moved here, kind of had that mentality of we have to respect them no matter what. And they would not treat us very well. They tactically questionable thinking. And so I think, um, yeah, I think my biggest takeaways are kind of what I don't want to do, how I don't want to make my players feel. And then being able to kind of say, okay, you know, maybe this is a good drill that I remember doing or I learned, but really I think for the most part, my coaching career has been kind of just making things up on the fly and like seeing if it works. And luckily, most of the time it has. But, you know, there have been some moments where I've been like, hmm, that might not have been the best idea. Um, but, yeah, so I think, uh, you know, sometimes it's not all about what what you should be doing and what you're learning from them. But you can also learn from a bad example. So I think that's about where I'm at. <laughs> When you had that first opportunity to coach, what was it other that kind of was like, yes, this is what Katie wants to do? Yeah, so I started coaching large group soccer, as I mentioned earlier. And then alongside that, I was actually a basketball coach first. So I was coaching basketball in high school at a little league at a church in the middle of nowhere in Tennessee. And there was a lady there whose son I coached that was the high school basketball coach at a school in the middle of nowhere. And so when I graduated high school, I just kind of was like, hey, you know, would you let me be an assistant for you? And she was like, sure. And I was like, okay. So 18 years old, you know, I became an assistant of this varsity girls basketball team at this tiny private Christian school in the middle of nowhere. And on my third day out there, I walked up to the athletic director, very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? A very, I had a lot of faith in myself, all right, as, a, as an 18-year-old. So I went up to the athletic director and I was like, hey, if you ever want a soccer coach that can actually do something with your program, let me know. And he was kind of like, okay, girl. And I was like, okay. So basically, the long story short is I kept coaching basketball at the school. And then I went to LSU Shreveport. I played soccer and tennis there. And right around the time when COVID happened, he called me on the phone. This was maybe two, three years after that initial conversation. And he was like, hey, we need a soccer coach. Do you want to do it? And I was like, absolutely. So I moved back home. And at the time, I was still helping with basketball over Christmas break and summer break. And so I moved back home. Once again, this was in the middle of nowhere. So you would have never known COVID even happened. I mean, there were no – we didn't change anything, right? We just played the season. So came back. I started coaching there. And when I took over my first program, I, like I said, I was 20 years old. I'm taking over a high school varsity program, and I did extremely well there, especially given kind of the circumstances surrounding everything. And that was the moment when I think I knew I wanted to coach, but that was the moment when I was like, man, this is something that I'm really good at and I could really have a lot of success with. And so that was a big moment for me. And being able to have that opportunity so young has really helped me get where I am right now. Where do you think that self-confidence comes from? Is that something that you carry in most of everything you do? Or is it just one of those little internal things that you're really good at? 
I think that I have been fortunate that every team I have ever been on, I've been a captain, I've been a leader. And I think that having that experience as a player, being the leader, being the one that everyone goes to, especially when, as you mentioned, maybe some of the coaches weren't as available or open, that has really molded me into like a natural leader. And I think that I'm really good at leading people and kind of setting the tone. And so I think when you're able to do that and you're able to connect with people in ways that I think many can't or a lot of people find difficult, I think you're able to kind of have that self-confidence of like, hey, I got this. And when I took over that program at 20 years old, like there was no doubt in my mind. They had not won a game in four years. They had 13 players. They were all sophomores and younger. We're playing on a varsity level team against, you know, good schools. None of them played club. We're playing at schools where everybody plays club. They're in Memphis, uh, Jackson, which is a little bit of a bigger city. We're in the middle of nowhere. I mean, the closest club is an hour away from the school. Nobody plays. And there was no doubt in my mind going into the season. I'm like, I'm going to make, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make it better. And that first season we went four, seven, and one. And it doesn't sound great from the outside looking in, but when you know all of the specifics of like how the season went and our lack of, of club players and players in general, two subs the whole season, you know, it, it was a big win. And then because of that, because people saw that we did well that next year, we had, I want to say 21 players. So, I mean, nearly, you know, uh, two teams and, or two starting groups. And we went 10, four and one. And once again, I mean, juniors and younger, um, no club players. And so we are kind of working with what we had. And so I think, like I said, I mean, just, there was no doubt in my mind that we were going to fix it and we did. And I don't know, I guess it all just comes from that confidence in myself as, as a leader. And I mean, confidence in the girls as well. Like, you know, there, there's ability there. They're naturally athletic. They're all basketball players. So just having to tap into that athleticism and turn it into soccer ability. Um, but yeah, I think I've always been a very self-confident person. I've always kind of been a leader role. And so for me, coaching is really no different. The only difference is now I don't get to play, which is kind of a bummer. But yeah. When you say fix it, what were some of the things that you went in and kind of put in place? So if someone's in a similar spot, how do you take a team that or a program that struggled for multiple years and start that progress to more success? Yeah, I mean, it's not easy. I will say that. I think obviously, technically, right? You've got to help them understand the game. You've got to put them in game-like situations where they can understand. I mean, they did not even know like what offsides was, you know, they knew nothing. They did not play, you know? And so coming in, first of all, explaining those things, right? Getting on the same page, making sure they understand what they're supposed to be doing. What are the rules? Technically working on, okay, passing a ball, but not just isolated technical drills, but being able to put it into motion, you know, being able to, pass a ball in a game situation to the right person with the right weight, you know, it's more than just, okay, go pass the ball for 40 minutes, right? Being able to kind of give them those game-like moments where they can learn. And then I think the hardest part is the mental piece because when you have a team that's so used to losing, it becomes normal. And they lose the ability to – 
work hard in difficult situations, right? If you're used to losing and you go down a goal, you're going to give up because it's kind of like, well, we've been here before. We're going to get the crap beat out of us and it you give up. And so I think having to overcome that mental piece is the most difficult part. For me, that looks like building relationships with those kids, giving them the ability to have success and see themselves being successful in the game, in practice, in scrimmages, whatever it may be. And then kind of just having those conversations of like, yeah, you know what, this game, we're not going to win. Like, let's be real. We're not going to beat this team. They're the defending state champions, right? So my first year, you know, our goal, we, we were playing against the school. It's USJ. They're like the defending state champions for like four years in a row, which is the University School of Jackson. And so they mercy ruled them every year, right? So my first year there, I was like, our goal is to make it through halftime. That's it, right? Realistic expectations and goals. Because now it's not, oh, coach is just saying something crazy because she, you know, wants us to think that we have a chance. It's, hey, like, coach is having a realistic goal that we can meet. We made it through the first half. It was eight to zero. We were one goal away, but we made it to the first half, right? So at halftime, the conversation is, hey, we, we made it to our goal, right? So now just make the second half last as long as you can, maybe 30 seconds, right? But hey, we met, we met our goal. So I think just having those realistic goals and expectations and being able to build that confidence, maybe not by winning, but by be, meeting those goals, you know, hey, let's score a goal this game, right? That's exciting for kids that have never won a game. That's exciting, right? So, I mean, just mentally, tactically, technically, you have to do it all. But I think that, um, I mean, they're all just as important as the other one. And it's really difficult, but it's not impossible. The other thing I heard was, so you played AAU basketball, you played soccer, and then I'm pretty sure I heard tennis. Yes. <laughs> how, how in the world does Katie end up on a tennis court at the college level? So actually, this is a funny story because <laughs> I did not grow up playing tennis. And this is like my whole life. It's all over the place. You know, I kind of get myself in these situations. I'm that friend that, like, you know, you'll call, hey, how are you? And it's like, oh, I'm in Australia. Just, you know, I don't know, just decided to. Um, and so I'm all, like, things just happen to me, and I'm like, whatever. And I think it's because I just kind of go with the flow, right? But, uh, no, so I showed up to LSU Shreveport, and I went a semester early because I wanted to get kind of a head start. So I went in the spring of – I don't even remember, maybe 2019 sounds right. And um, they had five players on the tennis team. So they were players short. And basically they came to the soccer team. And they're like, hey, we need somebody that can come play tennis. Does anybody want to? Well, me being me, I'm like, yeah, like I want to. Why not? That would be so fun. So I signed up and the very next day, actually, it was a conditioning practice. And I remember that we ran five miles. This was my first practice for tennis. We ran five miles and I was kind of like, okay. And you know, at the time, five miles was no biggie, right? Now I would probably die, but back then it was fine. So I'm like, okay, so we run our five miles and we come in and we start playing and I'm sitting there. I'm like, why did we just run five miles? Like we're literally standing, you know, cause soccer, obviously it's a big field tennis. It's you're not moving that much. Right. So um, I, I was really confused and I didn't understand it. And then I learned throughout the season that I was going to stay confused the whole time because I just did not understand tennis. 
I was always trying to go up to the net and like smash everything as hard as I possibly could because I just like, I don't know. I mean, I just wanted to be, beat the crap out of everyone. But I learned very quickly that that does not work in tennis. It's a skill sport. You have to be patient. Very different than any sport I ever played. So, yeah, I mean, that was actually just kind of by chance. But it did happen, and it was really fun. And then I wound up playing two years, and then obviously COVID happened. So a bit um, a bit of a shorter season on the next one. But, yeah, I mean, that was, a, uh, that was not a sport I grew up playing. But – it found its way to me somehow. <laughs> so as you're coaching in the middle of nowhere, uh, where does Katie go from there? Are we still coaching there? What What's your next kind of move as a coach? Yeah, so my end goal is I want to be the head coach of a big Division One program. Like that is my eye is on the prize. That is what I want. And so right now, I am sorting out next steps to try and find a division one college to step into in the fall. And I, you know, pretty much what I have been told is the hardest part is kind of just getting your foot in the door. And so being able to find somewhere where you have that opportunity. And so right now I'm kind of sorting through final steps with a school that hopefully I'll be able to jump on board as a volunteer assistant. And then from there, obviously I would want to look to have an assistant coaching job where I could get paid. And that's, you know, all I have to do all day long instead of having to do something else alongside it and then kind of just go from there. But, um, you know, I love where I'm at. I'm really thankful for the time that I've had here, but I think in terms of my career, it's really time to like take that next step and, and get in that world. And, just see what I can do there. So what things have you been doing? Like just outside of just the coaching stuff, what things have you been doing to kind of boost your resume as you start making that move toward coaching at the college level? Yeah. So education is a big one. Um, I got my D license in, almost a year and a half ago. I was the youngest person in my class. I was the only female in my class. And that was kind of the moment where I realized like, wow, like no one my age is doing this. Like nobody my age is putting in all of this time and effort. And so right now I'm in my C license class and same thing. I mean, youngest one by a long shot. And actually I'm in my C license class with my own college coach from community college. So if anything, that goes to show, I think, a little bit ahead of the curve on where uh, people typically fall in that. But um, I have done that. And then I've also done my advanced national through United Soccer Coaches. Um, I'm planning on trying to do my premiere this summer. I do pretty much any soccer course I can possibly do. I did the Tovo course, which the owner taught. Todd, he was really nice and let me do it for free, which was awesome. Shout out to him. Um, and then I was able to do, you know, United Soccer Coaches. They have a lot of mini, mini sessions, whatever you want to call them. And so I've, I've done all of those. And I went to the coaching convention, which that was a big one because I was able to meet a lot of people there that I have talked to on Instagram but not in person. So that was good to put faces to the names. And while I was there, I was able to somehow get wrapped up in a room where it was all division one coaches and me. And I'm sitting there with like Marguerite and, you know, Brian at FSU. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like starstruck. Right. And they're all just look at me because I'm just another human being. But for me, I'm like, Oh my God, these are like the best people I know. Right. So, um, 
I was able to get in that, in that space and kind of have conversations with them and get to know them. And once again, just kind of put a face to the name. And also, I think for me, the biggest asset that I have had in coaching is being willing to put myself out there. I have emailed, I'm not kidding you, probably 250 plus division one coaches around the country. I've maybe gotten 10 responses, right? But the ones that do respond, they want to help. And like Randy at Pittsburgh, he's been a really great resource for me. And I was able to meet him at the convention and talk to him one-on-one and make that, you know, big connections with big people that know people that are willing to help, that are willing to give advice. And so I think just putting myself out there, um, putting myself in the position to maybe look stupid to some, but genius to others, you know, and kind of just see where it goes. And so, yeah, I mean, doing that, keeping my education going, being able to put those things on my resume. And I think all of those things just kind of show my will and desire to kind of get in the places that I want to get if the right person's looking. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure some coaches read the email and it's like, okay, this girl's stupid. Right. But then others like Randy or Marguerite, they read them and they're like, wow, this girl's like really, really trying to kind of get where she wants to be. And then they talk to you and help you. And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe this person's talking to me. Right. I watch them on TV every week, but, um, but yeah. And so I think, all of those things, just putting yourself out there, um, keeping your education going. That's a big one. As a coach, you should always be learning. Uh, your players are always expected to learn from you. So you should always be learning as well. And then camps. That's the last thing. I try to do a lot of summer camps with different colleges, meet different coaches. And once again, just putting myself out there, emailing them, hey, do you need somebody to help you with, with camps, which is what I'm trying to do right now. Um, I've not been getting a lot of responses, but hey, we're going to keep trying. So... So a couple of things that popped out for me, what is that experience of being one, the youngest, and then second, maybe even more, you're the only female in the mix. What What is that experience like? And what's that kind of tell you in terms of as you move forward, you know, the impact, like the impact that you made on the high school and those girls is going to go beyond just those 10 wins or four wins or holding a team to eight in the first half. How important is it as a young female and then having coaches like Marguerite that reach out back to you um, as you continue to move forward. Yeah, I mean, it's it's huge. I feel like, honestly, there's a chip on my shoulder. I feel like I have so much more to prove than everybody else. You know, we get into a class and just being realistic. And I don't want to speak for everybody, but I will say that from my experience in these spaces where I am at, I am looked down on because I'm female, because I am younger. And that's just the reality. And unfortunately, you know, I think it's due to probably location, probably, um, you know, some of the things that are common in this area. Um, But it's not a typical job for girls and especially females coaching boys. Um, You know, coaching girls is one thing. Have I had some situations like that? Sure. But really when I started coaching boys was when I had that start happening a lot more. I feel like it's actually more rare for when I'm coaching a boys game for there not to be made a comment than to have a comment be made. And it's unfortunate because, you know, at the end of the day, it's kind of like I'm trying to do my job, like just let, leave me alone. Um, but I think that I, because of those things, like I have a chip on my shoulder, I have so much more to prove than everybody else. You know, uh, if I walk in next to a 40 year old man, most people are going to assume that he's a better coach than me. 
right? And they're going to assume that he knows more. He may know nothing about soccer. I'll give you a prime example. When I was at that school in the middle of nowhere, um, my dad, who never played soccer, he knows a little bit because he coached me, right? He was my assistant coach because I was like, hey, this would be fun. Come be my assistant. Nobody else knows anything anyway. So, you know, you might as well come out. And I cannot tell you the amount of coaches that would walk up to him and not me, right? Or would walk past me and I would be like, hey, do you need something? Oh, no, I'm going to go talk to the head coach. And I'm just like, okay. And I would just kind of sit there and wait, right? Because I just tried to talk to you. And, and I think, you know, people make these assumptions based on appearance or whatever. And so because of that, you know, I don't have the – benefit of the doubt, right? I don't have people like, oh, you know, if she makes a mistake, like, it's okay. I'm sure she knows what she's doing. Like, if I make a mistake, I'm crucified for it, right? Because it's already, they think that I'm awful. And then I make a mistake and it's like, yep, we knew it, you know? So I think having to essentially be perfect or pretty close to it has only made me better. I think that it makes me, and I I think these are things I would do anyways, but it makes it even more imperative that I plan, I prepare, I'm organized. Everything I do has a purpose. There's intention behind it. Um, I'm coaching the proper points. I'm building the team. Everything, you know, builds onto each other, relates to each other. And all of those things make sense because the one second where it doesn't make sense, everyone's going to notice and point it out. And so I think um, that's been a really big driving factor for me. And then, like you said, I mean, the impact that I'm making for the younger girls and, and them being able to see me. And especially as I think, I progress into higher levels, into higher spaces. And it's like, hey, she coached me in high school, right? It's kind of that mindset of like, you know, if I can do it, like anybody can. You know, I never played at the Division One level. I was not good enough to play at the Division One level, unfortunately. Wish I was, but I wasn't. But even despite that, it doesn't mean that I don't have the knowledge to go in and, and coach there and have success there. And so being able to kind of step into those places without really playing there myself kind of shows that like anybody can do it if you're willing to put in the work and, and learn and grow. And then that final piece of what you said, like having those coaches like Marguerite kind of be be willing to talk to me. I mean, I was at the coaching convention and I talked to her for probably maybe 30 minutes or so. All right. And, you know, we had these this conversation of, you know, all, all different things, soccer, life, whatever. And when I went to my hotel that night, like I actually was in tears. So I was like, I just can't believe that coaches like that are willing to take the time to invest in me and and speak to me. And then the next morning I went to a women's coaching breakfast and she walked over and went out of her way and walked up to me. I was like, Hey Katie, how are you doing? Whatever. And I remember like in that moment, I was just like, Oh my God, like I cannot believe that she just did that. You know, like she's going out of her way this national championship, like she is going out of her way to talk to me. And I, 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 I'm a nobody, right? Like I coach in the middle of nowhere. I don't do anything with my life right now. So I'm like, you know, it's just, it's really cool and it's really important. And I think it helps build the game and it helps build that sense of community that I think is so relevant and uh, is so imperative to soccer. And I think what I've learned, especially in the like recent year and getting involved in United soccer coaches, like soccer, there's such a big community and everybody for the most part wants to help 
and wants to be mentors for each other. And it's kind of this, this mindset of like, we're all going to grow together and it's not a competition. It's not you versus me. Like we want to help each other. And so, you know, like I said, even, I mean, not just Marguerite and obviously it's cool for me because Marguerite is younger and she is a female. And, and so those are cool things because it's kind of like, I'm seeing somebody like myself smashing all of these, you know, norms and roles. And it's awesome. But then also like these coaches like Randy and Brian and, you know, all, all of these guys as well, just taking that time to have those conversations and actually, you know, reach out to me first and, Hey, like, how are you doing? And, you know, do you need anything from me? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, why are they asking me that? Right. But it's, it's really important and it's really cool. And I've been very, very fortunate to kind of meet those people and have those opportunities because I mean, I'm like, so grateful every time they talk to me and I'm pretty sure I tell them like 8 million times, like, thank you so much. And they're probably like, it's really not that big of a deal, but to me it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been massive just to see, um, see those people, meet them in person, talk to them, um, have them invest in me, care about what I'm doing, um, help me out. And it's been, yeah, it's been really important. And I hope that, you know, in, the future, I can return that favor and that, you know, I do get to the level I want to get at. And then, you know, maybe some 20 year old will be talking to you about me on your podcast. So there you go. Right on. That'd be so stinking awesome. <laughs> hey, the, the other thing is let's flip it. You talked about sending out 250 plus emails and getting like 10 responses. And then you've been sending stuff out about, Hey, I'd love to come and work at your camp. What's it like? How do you handle the the no response um that you know the coaches that don't get back to you how do you keep kind of forging on do you just latch on to the 10 and go okay there that's the kind of like spark that'll turn into something bigger um how do you handle like it's great to have success and have people you know pour into you but how do you deal with kind of the the letdowns yeah so i think for me you know the ones that have responded and the ones that I've been able to connect with, like it makes it all worth it. You know, when I'm sending out all these emails and, you know, this school's not responding or this school maybe responds something not very nice or whatever, you know, I kind of look at it as, okay, you know, it's their loss. Like I, I know myself and I know I'm a good coach and I know that wherever I go, I will benefit them and I will benefit their program. And so if they don't want to gain that connection if they don't want to gain that, um, you know, that person, then it is what it is. And then, you know, there's also that piece of, you know, some schools, they do get a lot of emails a day. It's really hard for them to keep up. It's really hard for them to respond. So, you know, I don't think necessarily taking it personally. Um, I've had a couple that have responded with things that I've kind of been like, I probably just would have not responded if that's what you're going to say. Right. And those are the ones that I kind of look at. I'm like, okay, that's a little weird. But the ones that don't respond, you know, I don't really take it personally. I mean, everyone's busy. They've got a million things going on. The last thing that they're worried about is this coach asking them if there's a spot in their program or whatever's going on. And I understand that. So for me, you know, the ones that have responded, it's been completely worth it. And so I'll keep sending emails and I'll keep reaching out to everybody because the ones that respond are going to invest and they're going to give me their time and it's going to help me grow as a coach. And really that's all that I can ask for. You mentioned earlier too, bringing your dad on to staff. What was that dynamic like having, 
because it's going from like dad daughter to now I'm the head coach, dad, you're the assistant. What was that? And uh, you talked about him kind of almost learning with you and with the girls. Um, what was that like? It's a funny question that you're asking that because I have so many thoughts about it. And I think, you know, because of where I was and the school and just proximity and, and once again, just kind of the way that the school is and it's a private Christian school, whatever, like that was okay to do. Would I ever do that again? Definitely not. Um, but I mean, it was a cool experience to get to coach with my dad. Um, my dad always coached me. I mean, he coached me in rec for like 18 years. Even when I started playing club, we still did rec together because he wanted to be involved and coach me and have fun together. So like you said, I mean, not just going from like dad to daughter, but it's also like coach and now I'm the head coach. And so, you know, I think for the most part, <laughs> maybe my dad will watch this and think otherwise, but I think for the most part, he was respectful of kind of like, I'm the head coach and you're the assistant and what I say needs to go. And if I tell you to stop, you need to stop. And if, you know, I'm telling you what you're saying is wrong, then you need to, you know, agree. And so I think for the most part, we didn't have many issues, but obviously, I mean, there were moments where it was, it turned into like, you know, you can't do that. I'm your dad. I'm like, well, right now I'm your boss. So be quiet, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, it was definitely interesting. It was definitely quite an experience. Uh, like I said, I probably would not be able to do it again because of the spaces I'll be in, but I don't know if I would want to do it again, but I'm glad that I got to. And, um, yeah, it's something that we will never forget for sure. So what has that experience been for your parents who weren't big into soccer? You got started as a youngster and now they're watching you kind of just keep rising up and you're just going after this a hundred percent. How, how fun have they enjoyed watching you get into this and watch you kind of develop as a coach? Yeah, I mean, they they love it. Uh, my dad, although not necessarily a soccer guy, big sports guy, always has been. And so I think, you know, when I started playing, soccer was kind of thrown into the mix. I mean, every game he records it, he wants to watch it together. You know, he comes to a lot of my games, middle school tournaments, whatever. Um, he'll, he'll travel out of town and come to tournaments sometimes just because. And so, you know, my dad actually tells me all the time he wishes that he coached for a living and he's living vicariously through me. And my mom, now, she's not a sports girl. Uh, no, nothing. She was a cheerleader, which is a sport, but obviously a little bit different. Um, and so she was not a sports girl, is not a sports girl. Um, she watched me play. Now, since I have coached, I don't know if she's been to a game. She may have been to one, maybe. Um, but she's very encouraging. She wants me to reach my dreams. She loves that I'm pressing forward and putting in all this effort, but it is not her favorite thing ever. Um, but my dad is really the one who, I mean, he – He's 110% on board. He helps me any way he can. He's driven me. I mean, this summer I went to Johnson City to be a volunteer assistant basically for USL2 team. And, I mean, he was driving there like every other week, bringing me my dog, picking my dog up, you know, just doing whatever he could do to like make things easier, better. Um, he came to a couple of the games. And, you know, so I think um, – I, I'm very lucky that my parents are kind of in the same boat as I am. They're they're all in. And I mean, be getting your coaching education, it's not 
it's not cheap. Um, unfortunately, coaching, especially in schools, it doesn't pay a lot right now in student teaching. Previous, I was in college. Like, I don't really have time to have another job. So my parents have financially invested a lot in me being able to coach. I mean, your C-license class, it's nearly $2,000. And that's one of the, you know, very many different things that I've done over the past few years. And I mean, next weekend, you've got to go travel and get hotel rooms. And so they've been a really good resource for me. And luckily, you know, they're just as on board as I am. And they want to see me succeed just as much, if not more, than I want to. And so, um, yeah, it's been, I think, really fun for them. I think they're excited to see me step into the college world. Um, I think that, you know, like I said, I've loved the opportunities that I've had here and I've had a really good time. They've been really critical for me growing as a coach and learning. But I think that, you know, I'm just kind of ready to take that next step. And I think they're ready for it, too. And I think as I continue to progress, it'll only become more and more enjoyable for them. So Katie's going a thousand miles a minute coaching. And then I hear the dog. What what things does Katie do to like get away a little bit? Do you have downtime or is it 24 seven, 365, or do you take breaks? Do you, is there times where you're like mentally, I need to just get away from things and just be Katie? I think that so much of being Katie is being a coach and is being in soccer. And I think that, you know, for, especially this past year, like there really has been no, downtime or, or very little I'll say over Christmas break obviously I had a break and I was able to travel which I really enjoy doing and then this summer I'm going to be able to travel I'm gonna go to Europe and then I'm actually going to the World Cup which I don't know if you call that a break because I'm going through United Soccer Coaches we're doing the coaching education while we're there is that a break I don't know for me yeah it's great now it you know I'm doing the same stuff but in New Zealand so um, it's different, you know, but, uh, but yeah, no, I think that for me, so much of me is just what I do. And I think that for now and for where I'm at, there isn't really downtime. There isn't really breaks. I mean, I have sometimes free weekends here and there, but when I do, I wind up just spending it on my coaching class or on my assignments or whatever the case may be. And so um, what I am looking forward to in the future is, you know, my, my mentality has kind of been, I'm putting in all of this work now, right? Like I, in the fall, I want to say I was coaching like six different teams, right? So I'm doing this now so that I can get to a point at some point in the near future where I only have to coach maybe one or two teams. And, and I say maybe two, because I want to stay involved in club and in the youth game, because I love it. I want to coach middle school boys, literally the rest of my life. Like I love coaching them. I, I cannot explain to you how much fun I have with them. It's my favorite group. So I would love to stay with a group like that. Um, and then obviously just coach college, but um, you know, I'm, I'm doing these things now so that hopefully I can get to that point so that I don't have to like kill myself and be so busy all the time forever. And so, you know, where I'm at right this current second is like, this is kind of just a part of being able to get to that point. And, you know, are there days where I'm like, man, I'm exhausted. I've been coaching nonstop. We've had six games in the past three days. Like I'm tired. Like, yeah, I mean, it happens, but 
you know, you push through, summer will be here soon. I will have a break. I'll just coach soccer camps, which once again, for some people, they may not call that a break. I think that's a break because I think it's way easier than, you know, running programs. So, um, you know, I'll just be coaching summer camps and, and have a bit of a break to kind of do some things that I enjoy. And then obviously, whenever I get to the fall, be full swing again. But in that regard, it'll be one team. Um, I will be working on a master's degree, which I start two days after I graduate with my bachelor's degree in May. So I'll start that. I'll be coaching. So it's kind of like, you know, I can sit here and tell you like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have downtime. But to most people, it may not seem like downtime. But for me, because of all the things I'm used to doing at once, it's a lot more manageable, you know. So, yeah. That's a great way to wrap this chat up. This is Kieran with Katie Smith, and I'm out. Peace. What a great chat. Thanks for checking it out. If you haven't done so already, Follow us on Twitter at Coaches Let's Chat. Hit that subscribe button. And once again, if you get a chance, drop a review. It's super, super helpful for growing the podcast. Have a good one. Peace.